Union of the Unwanted live back April 25th, 2022. We're talking about food today. Ricky's not here, so I'm going to throw it to Charlie since he is the one who put this thing together. Thank you, Mike. Union of the Unwanted. Everyone watching on Rockfin, thank you so much. Uh, We are also available as an audio podcast, so make sure to subscribe and rate the show if you are so inclined. Well, there's nothing more important to us than food. We wanted to do an episode about food for the last couple of months. It makes sense now. We're in spring planting season. We've got food processing plants just up and exploding for no good reason when they're not getting hit by airplanes for... for why ever that's happening they just fall uh, out of the skies want, nowadays you know they just it just it just is a thing it's a trend it's probably because of elon musk i would assume <laughs> there's gonna be a uh, swarm of robot dogs that just descends on the rest of them somehow yes. <laughs> <That'll be normal>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. so we wanted to put together an, an all-star team of people that could talk to you about food from a variety of different uh, aspects. We've got Jim Gale from Food Forest Abundance going to show you how to grow food. We've got Tim James um, from Chemical Free Body. He's going to explain to you, uh, well, hell, he changed his life learning about food. We've got Miriam Hanane, the bee lady. Can't have food without bees. Steve Poikinen builds farms. He's he's a chicken wrangler, I believe. Mike, you're a chicken wrangler too. Uh, I, I help my wife, the naked gardener. <laughs> she tells me who to wrangle and I do my best to wrangle. We have the naked gardener here who is uh, going to explain to us all things gardening related. Uh, who else? And if you're listening Lindsay. and you can't see this, you can go to Rockfin and see if she's actually naked. That is, it's a bit of a <laughs> that teaser. Is, that is false advertising. You have to go to Rockfin <laughs> and check it out. <laughs> that is fun. We've got Chef Matt Pierce. He's going to talk to us about spices. He's spicy himself. Don't let the, uh, don't let the uh, beard fool you. Lindsay Sharman. She's a chicken person as well. Maverick Marshall. But not- not a chicken lover. We've we've seen the damage that label can do to people. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> so we thought we'd have a group uh, discussion, talk a little bit about food, the importance of food. In America, we are severely detached from our food. Uh, everything has been processed and trucked in. We're a victim of just-in-time delivery services. All these things provide amazing convenience for us, but it does come at a cost. And we're starting to learn that you know maybe it's uh, it's best to be less dependent on these systems and start to be a little bit more self reliant. So I think we brought in a pretty good team to help talk about how we do that. I want to let's start with Jim Gale. Uh, Jim, food forest in a food forest abundance. He's been on my show before, and I mean I'm talking about so inspiring what you're doing and so accessible for the average person yeah. to to get involved in this it's you don't have to be a farmer to do this talk about what you guys are doing over there we are changing the world um and i say we i mean everybody in the food movement and our job at food forest abundance is to do the best we can to bring to the world everybody on this call and everybody else who's helping people grow food. The most logical and important thing in the world right now, because we are at war. We have to see through the illusion and not be confused anymore. This is a war. It's a strategy that has been in place for many decades, even hundreds of years. And that's a very easy strategy to see if you're willing and able to see it. But the solutions is what we want to focus on after about two years, 15 years ago of diving deep into the problem and feeling shitty about it. 
we, I have got four daughters and this is our opportunity. We get to bring about the world of freedom and abundance everywhere. And that's by using the permaculture principles of designing, properly designing food forests that fit the customer and the agricultural zone and all of the different tools that the permaculture movement has brought to the world. When we bring those tools to the backyard, then we literally change the world. When we turn 50% of the 40 million acres of lawn in the United States alone into regenerative edible landscapes that take less maintenance than a lawn, we reverse mass extinction, we reverse deforestation and heart disease and diabetes and cancer. We literally solve all of the world's biggest problems. And that's not a hypothetical. That's a fact. And we can demonstrate it. And it has been demonstrated all over the world. I get so excited when Jim talks. Like, you're so amazing. <laughs> so thank you for coming out, everybody. Have a good night. He's got the energy. <laughs> it's time to change the world. Thank you all. Thank hey, you. hey, Jim, can you talk a little bit about your show? Or, or Yes, I can talk are, about everything. Where are we on it? Everything we're doing is transparent. We have no NDAs, no non-competes, no patents about nothing. It's time to grow food, everybody. So the, the show, I, a major TV network has offered to sign a contract with me. And I said no because of their morality clause. They are owned by BlackRock. <laughs> I don't, BlackRock, not Green Rock or Love Rock. Black Frickin' Rock, which is a company that owns and controls all of the major industries of the world, including the poison production. They create the poisons of fear that you see on the mainstream media, and they create the poisons of glyphosate and aluminum oxide and fluoride and all the fucking poisons that are killing our world. So then that's the problem. The problem is centralized power in the hands of the wicked who are intentionally destroying the planet. When I first heard that, I said, ah, bullshit. There's nobody doing that because it's bad for them. That doesn't even make sense. Well, there are, there is evil out there and that's what they are. So then that's the problem. So the solution then is so freaking simple. It's to do what's best for us. Right. When we turn part of our lawn into a regenerative landscape, it's best for us on every level. So I don't even know what your question was, Charlie, but <laughs> I love you. What was your question again? I well, I wanted you. to know you sent me. I remember you sent me the uh, the trailer for oh, yes, the TV for show. the show. And I was like, OK, this is this is a show that this will blow up. This is this is it's, a show. It, you, the promo, the trailer was you and Adrian Grenier. Yeah. Uh, he had left Hollywood. He'd bought a farm. He was turning it into productive, uh, like a working farm. And you were helping him do it. It's like a two minute clip. I watched yeah. that and I went, oh, my God. This, this is, is it. I mean, our marketing team, they're Emmy Award winners. Darren Olean, who won the Emmy last year for Down to Earth, is now a partner. Um, we got Joel Salatin is collaborating with us. And Les Stroud, we're working with him. And so many more superstars. David Avocado Wolf was just at the farm the other day. Love these people. They are conscious, they're awake, and they want to help us change the world. So our marketing team is literally the marketing team that we need to change the world. Because when we catalyze a shift in consciousness that leads to mass adoption of the most logical thing we could ever do, and that's to use our resources wisely, we change the world. So, yes, that TV show is full speed ahead. 
well, on our own platform. If so. I can interject, it's also not, it's cool because it's not victory gardens of the past where we were like encouraged to do this for patriotism. We're doing this, you know, like you're saying to save the world, to save ourselves, to save mass extinction from happening. And all of these things are much more in alignment with the a sustainable motivation, right? That's not connected to something that's going to fall. But I also love what you were t- touching on with your, you know, resisting BlackRock and not working with them, but you also have like just a general no force policy, right? Anybody who's yes. forced. Yeah. Yes. Tell us about that. Okay. So the Nash Equilibrium, there's a TV show Hollywood put out called A Beautiful Mind. Now this is so freaking epic. A Beautiful Mind is about a, the guy who created the logical economic philosophy that is basically absolutely brings abundance to everybody. And his philosophy previous to to John Nash was this guy, Adam Smith, for 150 years, his philosophy was if every person in a system does what's best for them, you've got a successful economy, but it left out ethics. John Nash added something so ridiculously simple, do what's best for you and others. And when we do what's best for us, and it's also good for everybody else, we benefit more than if we just do what's best for us. And it's a mathematical equation. Of course, Hollywood turned the whole show into a show about schizophrenia. So if they could use that two hours to actually demonstrate the results of doing what's best for you and others, the world would already be healed. But that's Hollywood, right? When it comes to people that live in the cities, live in apartments, what are some tips that you can give them to start living the way you think they should live? Uh, first of all, I hate this idea of me thinking anybody should live a particular way other than no force and violence. Don't mandate me to do anything. Well, I mean, for instance, they yeah. don't have a lawn. That yeah, they yes, can, yes. I, yeah. just, I just like words. I'm a master's in sure. linguistics. So what I will encourage them to do and what I will invite them and share with them are ways to turn your deck or your kitchen countertop into a growing system. For instance, you can grow microgreens next to your coffee pot. It takes a minute a day. So about the same time as it takes you to brew coffee and you can have a salad every day of the week and not just any salad but a salad that's infinitely more healthy for your body than the salads you buy at the store. And instead of costing $20 for a big tray of microgreens on the market is 20 to $40, right? You could grow one for $1.50 and a minute a day. So the ROI for your time invested is incredible. The other thing that's my favorite food right now is potatoes, sweet potatoes and regular potatoes. You can do them in five gallon buckets and potatoes are going to save millions of people's lives in the very near future. I mean, it sounds like uh, pretty simple things that people should do. I guess it's just getting them in the right frame of mind and to make them think, hey, they should probably start doing this now instead of going down to Kroger's or or Big Bear. I don't know what you guys got in your area, but that's where everyone goes <laughs> for yeah. their food. Um, Let the plants be your teacher. Yeah, There's awesome. a lot of other alternatives, too, that have come out. Um, there's a company based in Tennessee. Uh, they're a small family-owned company called Greenstock, and they make vertical towers that you can plant so many different things in. I've seen people use those for growing strawberries, for growing herbs, for growing a variety of lettuces and greens. So um, there's a lot of different options, I think, now. Um, the pots are a wonderful thing, but... Doing some of the vertical towers are also another great option. Are those the ones that you 
hang on the like they're like layered on the window you hang it in front of your window yeah. and there's like it's stacks vertical. okay yeah yeah so vertical cool. i was gonna say um bill gates is heavily invested in hydro panels which is making water out of thin air and uh recently learned from Corey diggs that he's also invested in vertical farming as is black rock surprise uh. <laughs> control i wasn't gonna bring control people Hey, there's a pot right bring, there. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring a guest with me, but here, here it is, my potato. I've been doing this all winter. I have food-grade five-gallon buckets that I get from different kitchens that I work in, fill them up with potting soil, potatoes start to sprout on the counter, I drop them in. I, I don't even think I've washed them. I threw the potatoes in there. These stalks started coming up. What you have to do is keep filling it with soil because all of this will turn into potato too. There were two potatoes here. I'm thinking I'll get probably about probably about 10 or so, 12 maybe, out, out of this bucket. I did it with baby reds. It came out awesome. It's so easy to grow inside. been doing it all winter. Get some crappy lights from Amazon, um, a metal stainless steel uh, rack. And, and sorry if the, there's feedback coming through on my, on my microphone. I'm sucking on a cough drop. I got hit with something last week, and it just hasn't gone away. Um, but, yeah, that's it. My guest for the show today. <laughs> I think it's really important, guys, to understand what to Mike's question is like, what can people do that don't have yards and gardens? And Jim was right. It's like growing on your countertop. This is something that I've been teaching people for 11 years. And you have to understand that, you know, the Jim said you can grow, you know, you can grow some of these healthiest food on your countertop for pennies. Mm -hmm. We're not just talking about healthy food. We're talking about food as medicine here. Okay, when you're consuming sprouts, things like sunflower sprouts and pea sprouts and buckwheat lettuce and radish sprouts and broccoli sprouts and lentil sprouts and mung bean sprouts, these sprouts in general are about 10 to 30 times more nutritious than fresh picked vegetables out of your own organic garden with the best soil or the best permaculture, Jim. We don't want to offend any um, any permaculture people here because that is important. We have to understand that this this is this is the cheapest medicine for pennies. And that's why we're doing it. We're bringing awareness to this. You guys remember back in 1991 when Johns Hopkins came out and they said that the biggest discovery in the history of cancer was a phytochemical called sulforaphane that came out of broccoli. This actually made the headlines in news just to show you how the power of the media. And because of that little blip of information that came out where they took a 50-year researcher, phytochemical, or excuse me, a 50-year cancer researcher, and he said he'd been looking under a microscope for 50 years researching cancer, and he'd never seen anything kill cancer cells like the, the phytochemical thing out of broccoli. And that made waves. And from that time, the cost of broccoli seed has doubled because of that one little blip. I don't know if you remember, it was like, uh, it was like George Bush Sr. was president, and they dumped 600 pounds of broccoli on the, on the White House steps because of this. And he said, I don't like the broccoli. I mean, you guys can go look this up, the <laughs> listeners and stuff. But the whole point is, is like, you know, you have, a, a, you know, a politicians that have no clue about health. I mean, you can look at these people. They're white, they're pasty, they're overweight a lot, and they really don't know what they're doing. And But they're getting information from so-called experts that are driving industry. We have to get back to nature because that's where we're from. These phytochemicals, the hormones, the oxygen, the phytochemicals and the enzymes that are in these living plants when you consume them, this is the medicine. And there's hundreds of thousands of these you know, disease preventing and immune boosting chemicals in these plants, not just the four thing that they discovered at Johns Hopkins, right? And then they found out that broccoli sprouts were like 50 times more anti-cancer 
than the broccoli itself because it's in sprout form. And then they found out that onion sprouts and garlic sprouts have even more sulforaphane in them. So we have things in our kitchen that could actually heal us, but we're disconnected from it and there's no education. And all you need is a simple bit of education and you can start growing this stuff in your house for pennies. You can create the most nutritious food, medicine to heal you and your family. And it's freaking delicious because when I make sprout salads, people like freaking love them. They think I'm the best chef in the world. I'm like, no, I just put fresh stuff in there. You ask any chef that has a successful restaurant, they'll always tell you it's fresh food. Absolutely. I think that's the key, the education part. I'm in a new town in Florida and I posted on their Facebook group, why is it such a beautiful town, has so many shit uh, fast food places. And there was just an onslaught of attacks defending their their Hooters and their olive green. They actually said they want a Hooters and an olive green defending their KFC and uh, those wings are delicious. <laughs> I am known as a food Nazi and I really walk my talk. I refuse to let these big ag, big, big corporations poison me. And this is the slow kill. And we basically have to pay more not to be poisoned. So just to take it a step further, it's not just, you know, you need, in my opinion, organic a broccoli has up to 13 different fungicides, herbicides, pesticides, and then they accumulate and they synergize and nobody's bothering about chemical body burden. And yeah, the food is either thy medicine or thy foe. And so I really want to teach people to walk their talk and to really treat this as a temple and to refuse to have these big companies poison them. Fuck that. So let's say like even potato, I would be like, is that organic? Uh, are you susceptible to lectins? Because I personally don't do nightshades. I think Japanese uh, potato is is really underrated. It's amazing. So so I'm just, as a functional medicine perspective as well, to just work with the person. I know that not everybody can afford that. And people are living in the cities. There is vertical farming. There is microgreens. You can have bees Bees are actually doing better in the cities than they are in the country, which tells you a lot. And um, composting, to not throw away our food and to give it back to the earth since it's so impoverished. But I just really want people to treat their body as a temple. And it also is cultivating consciousness. We need to raise our consciousness instead of you know, optimize our biology rather than have our immune system eradicated which is what these big, these elites are doing. They have dumbed down the population and I'm totally against, totally against it. I'm curious if there's some tips that you guys have that we can use to improve the soil, because one thing that we keep hearing is that America has just destroyed its soil through pesticides and, and treating it poorly and that, that, that's a huge component of why we have such poor quality food. Uh, we make it to a point where we don't have any food at all. We'll, but, but in the absence of that, if we have the opportunity to improve the quality of our soil, how do we do that? Do you mean, Charlie, like in, because agriculture would need to adopt crop rotation, which they don't do. They're ruining the topsoil. The neonicotinoids alone take 18 years to degrade in the soil and the metabolites are even more dangerous. So they're killing than the, the worms. So 
do you mean what we can do, like as far I as mean, composting? Well, they, gly- you can personal level. Well, both really. test positive for glyphosate. Yeah. Infant, you know, cord blood tests positive for glyphosate. So it, it organic. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I Charlie was reading my mind on that. I that was the, a question that I had swimming around in my head too. Let's we take on a, out on the personal poisons. and then on a on a larger scale like however give me give me both options here we take out the poisons if we take out the poisons nature god's source will heal itself the poisons gotta go and we have to expose the poisons i'm walking outside here and on the nature strip at this hoa community there's these little heart-shaped signs and these little jolly green giant signs and then they say on them don't let your kids come here this is poisonous right it's a fucking scam to the max all the poisons i gotta go and then once that happens the world will be healed yeah so this 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 is about awareness you have to educate the end consumer because the buying dollars are driving this industry you know that's it i always tell people you your votes don't count anymore because of the weighted race feature inside of these election software things so if you're voting democrat or republican you're basically wasting your time do your homework on it but what your vote that does count is when you pull that money out of your pocket and you buy something. If you look at a PLU sticker on a, you know, uh, an avocado and it says 4328 or whatever, that was conventionally grown. Pesticides, fungicides, herbicides, larvicides. It needs to start with the nine grown organic. But even that today has been now compromised. The organic labels allow up to 150 chemicals in there. So the reality is, is the people, us, the consumers drive industry. We have to understand that we have all the power. And what we need to do is we need to go down to our local, you know, farmers markets. We need to demand fresh food for ourselves and our kids. And that's how we're going to change that, change the industry and get farmers to get back into permaculture. Stop tilling the soil. Stop killing the bacteria in the soil that transports the nutrients from the soil into the plants. And you can get back to the way nature intended. Unfortunately, you have to educate people like me. Uh, I, I'm a creature of routine. And everything that I hear is amazing, but you know, I'm a, I'm an indoor cat. You know, I, I, I work on computers all day long. And, uh, before moving to our property here, uh, I, uh, I didn't know anything, but the naked gardener, uh, Rihanna, uh, my wife, she was the one driving, doing gardens, uh, composting, uh, and then let's get some chickens. And now, uh, trying to capture a swarm of bees. I mean, all this stuff is new to me. It's interesting, but it doesn't come uh, like it's second nature to me. I really have to remind myself to to do do things a certain way or to eat things. Um, and so, I, I for me, I need to be much more conditioned. And all this stuff sounds great, but unfortunately, convenience is a big issue for for people like me. And uh, unfortunately, it, it's going to take a lot of willpower for the average computer nerd like myself to choose organic and then also speak up at the local grocery market or uh, farmer's market to demand organic and well-grown food. If uh, if Klaus Schwab and those gremlins get their way, you won't have to choose because the supply chain will have collapsed. Sure. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, they're predicting cyber pandemic by, you know, the spring or right before the, the midterms, that kind of thing. Um, my, my ultimate point, my ultimate point was. My, it brings up a good, sorry. sorry no, no, my ultimate point was, is that's why these conversations, people have their own social media, whether it's YouTube or Instagram, to talk about this stuff, 
because that's where I guess the younger generation uh, can can learn about these topics. Where like 15 years ago, uh, I didn't hear the word permaculture. I didn't hear it five years ago until until my, me and my wife got married. I'd never heard the word, but now I'm familiar with it and I'm getting acclimated to these topics. But that's it- why I love uh, Jim's approach to like putting food forests in everybody's hands because it really is the easiest way. I don't know it this is. from experience. Mm-hmm. I know I'm sure the naked gardener knows way more yeah. than me. Jim knows more than me, but I know that everyone I know who's in gardening says that, and the idea makes sense to me, right? Like you have these trees; they're self-sustaining. They're going to continue to produce food. They protect the bushes. They create more food, and then the little herbs and stuff are below those, and they all work together. And what do you have to do? No weeding right? You maybe water them. I don't even know. You guys could tell me, but that when people understand how much easier that is than like having these rows of garden things and these, you know, it's very different. I even have learned that I can compost and I'm not a gardener and I don't know how to compost, but <laughs> but I got one of those twirly little bins and I throw all my stuff in there with some leaves and stuff. And then I make this beautiful, rich black stuff. And when I put that in with my plants, they're like so happy. So even I have learned these things that can get easier and easier for people, I think. We have been on our property now for, um, it'll be in July, two years. And prior to that, we were living in uh, Arizona in the desert. And um, before that, when we last lived in the Midwest, um, I had a few raised garden beds. And Honestly, I I knew nothing about gardening at that time. I was learning as I went along just in the few raised beds that I had. Um, it was my former uh, mother-in-law who got me into at least gardening um, flowers and things like that. But I wanted to learn how to grow my own food. So I started to just learn what I could. And when we were in the desert, I missed having the luscious greenery around me, the trees, the grass, all of it, and wanted to start gardening again. I missed it. So we found property here. And um, honestly, it's been a learning curve ever since. But I know for myself, I'm a forever student. I I think many of us are. And um, there's still so much that I'm learning. And I think that the biggest challenge for many people is how do I get started? It seems so overwhelming, so daunting. So I think a lot of times people don't even know where to begin. There's so much information out there. And um, I I went with more of the food forest method, um, permaculture design, because that's what resonated with me. It made sense because I view ourselves, uh, as Miriam was referring to, um, you know, we are organic beings. And I think many of us have forgotten that. And that is part of the big problem that we're seeing right now is everything has gone so completely out of balance. We are out of harmony with nature. And that is why we're seeing a lot of the issues that we're having physically in our bodies, in our health, uh, in the global world, um, the planet as a whole, the issues with uh, agriculture in general um, on such a global massive scale. Um, I think we're seeing it across the board in every aspect of our human nature, our human being nature. And I think that if we can come back to the land, come back to living an organic lifestyle, and I don't mean organic in the sense that we have grown to know it, which is, you know, paying more money for organic, 
you know, food in the grocery store or things like that. I'm, I'm referring to just coming back to nature, our environment that's around us, um, being more in harmony with the plants, the trees, the animals, the birds, um, the bees, all of it. Um, they all play a role just as much as we all play a role. And I think that if we understand our role in nature as the nature beings that we are, I think that we would start to recognize and, and see um, how much more in balance things can actually become and how much more harmonious uh, things will become. And um, it's a beautiful thing when you start to really get into gardening. I did it because it really brought me into a place of harmony. Uh, I found it to be a sacred place. Uh, so what I've created here on our property, it's very private, very secluded. Um, and it's, to me, my sacred place. And I treat it as such. Um, that is why I also love, yes, to garden um, naked and just feel the earth uh, under my feet, uh, get my hands dirty, my body, let it touch the earth because that's so important for our health, our microbiome. It's no different. Our gut microbiome is no different than the soil on this planet. It all works the exact same way. And when we start to uh, return back to nature in this way and, and cultivate a deeper connection with nature, we start to see these patterns in our own bodies as it is out in nature, in the earth. Um, it's it's amazing. And uh, I think when we can start to identify that, it starts to all make more sense. And it then becomes a little easier and less daunting when we start to connect with it in that way. I agree a hundred percent. Oh, to that. I mean, we are really, really disconnected. And I've been getting the message ever since the bees flew into my life. If I mean, I grew up, I grew up eating McDonald's in the seventies. The first job was McDonald's. I, I thought that a McFish was healthy, and uh, I was brought up, you know, made fun of, called tub of lard and fatso. But I am a fattest today. Because I, I think there's something just unnormal and, and evil about their normalization because it's really a product of the body being fed things it can't um, pronounce, let alone digest. And I've gone through so many like, you know, bulimia and anorexia and, and, and going through fad diets and becoming an unhealthy vegan and, and then really being hit by an SUV and having to learn how to walk again, my whole body exploded. And for a long time, I was having a lot of pain. And then I realized I was gluten intolerant and I discovered candida diets and just really gave up gluten, gave up grains and eventually adopted a ketogenic diet. But along the way was sprayed by pesticides after making vanishing of the bees and then told, oh, you have lupus and you have fibromyalgia. Here's some Cymbalta. Um, your body's attacking itself. Here's some steroids, which I said F you too, and, and really was studying nutrition and, and food. And then with the bees just learned, oh my goodness, our food supply is so poisoned. And if they don't care about our food supply and food is supposed in my eyes, not to suppose, but is sacred. Where, where is the reverence and sacredness on this planet today? Where's the wisdom? Where's the consciousness? That, that's what we need. And we get that through the wisdom of, of the, the food and the earth and the fact that they are poisoning straight up our food supply should really be an alert 
Um, so I really give thanks to the honeybees for showing me about sacred feminine, about the greater good, about permaculture. I studied permaculture. I've kept bees. That was the kind of the, the allure of living in LA and in California before it became China Fornia. There, there was these hippies that were conscientious and uh, not just new agey, but really wanting to establish a relationship with the earth. And, and now it seems like we talked about like, what are we, 20 processing plants are blowing up and they're just. Just in the U.S., just in the U.S., 22 in the U.S. alone, but internationally, it's almost 100. Wow. No famine in history was ever not created by the psychopath class, ever. (laughs) (laughs) Always, yep. This is very intentional, but I really want to. Uh, echo both of you beautiful women because you're bringing up this point which I think so many people here have had this experience that as you heal yourself and as you're healing hopefully the earth around you and your garden area and whatever as well that sacred space that you start to be more spiritually uh, in touch and your mind starts to open and your emotional body starts to heal your physical body starts to heal because they're all connected Uh, and so there is this spiritual aspect to it and I know so many here like I said can relate to that and I think it's just such a beautiful point there's people out there who want to have a deeper spiritual experience and they don't think about you know that they're what they're eating and the quality of what they're eating and the quality of their body and their composition all ties in with that and so it's not just this you know, sort of hippy dippy, love the earth thing, which I love, but not everyone does. But it is like, well, if you're really going to love yourself and you really want to be connected with that, you do have to heal your body and you do have to care about this stuff. Well, and I think that there's so much focus, of course, on a lot of like what's going wrong with the planet and um, and the powers that be. But I feel that consciousness as a whole is rising. And I think that you can see that um, in a lot of, if you've noticed even, even before, of course, the pandemic hit, um, I think that there has been an increasing rise of people that are genuinely interested in things, whether it's, you know, going minimalist, whether it is, you know, living off grid, um, growing food forests, um, homesteading, um, all of these different things that I think people are, even van life, I, I know is a big one too. Um, and these have been trends that have been building for a long time now. And I think, of course, yes, once the pandemic hit, you've seen an even more increase in, in that. But I think that people are just done. They're done. Uh, because they've seen that there's not as much fulfillment anymore in what many of the prior generations, you know, the American dream that many people had um, at one point and, you know, going and pursuing a lot of the um, material world. Um, and I think that people are starting to abandon that, um, looking for more deeper connection, um, more spiritual connection. And I think um, they're going a little deeper now and, and turning back to the land, I think, for that. And um, it's a beautiful thing. I think um, when you get there, when you regain that connection, it just feels like home, like you've come home. That's at least how it felt for me. Like there's a uh, there's so many things I never thought in my life that I would uh, wind up doing. Like uh, for instance, uh, tonight uh, before the show, uh, my wife and I we had to uh, clean a chicken butt. Um, 
it's just one of those things that I, you never anticipate in your life. You you, you do, but here <laughs> there you are outside, me and Naked Gardener, uh, cleaning a chicken butt because we had a chicken die last week. And mm-hmm. we were, we were kind of worried that it was maybe bird flu because you hear that going around and they're slaughtering millions of chickens now because of bird yeah. flu. Whether or not that's the exact reason or not, we don't know. Right. Um, but we, uh, we are aware of like the, correct me if I'm wrong, Rihanna, uh, egg bound. Is that the correct term? Egg bound. Egg yeah. Bound. So that's what we were concerned about and why we were, uh, soaking our chicken in some warm water to help, uh, release that uh, for her, give her some relief. Um, but these are some of the, the things, the messy things that you have to do uh, when you start going down this path. Uh, it's not always as glamorous as it looks sometimes um, when you see things on YouTube or the internet. Um, but, um, you know, it's a commitment. And when you're caring for other animals, uh, these are some of the, the messy things that you have to do. It's, it, it, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because you're, you're you're holding the chicken down. You don't want to hurt the little thing, and then the rooster comes over and thinks that you're messing up one of his hens. Yeah. So you're trying to fend off a rooster, hold the chicken, and make sure everyone's safe. It's just it's bizarre. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Rihanna and Mike, what do you feel about the fact that Tim Pool and Chicken City they're at like twenty four hundred dollars a day, which is pretty much yeah, he makes more like, than me <laughs> right. working full time. His chickens make yeah, more than I do. Chicken City. <laughs> at least he's putting it back into something that might you know support some sustainability and food when everything else collapses <laughs> and mike you asked a really important question earlier i want to make sure the audience gets the answer which was how does a guy or gal that's not really into farming or you know gardening do this how, you know i you know how do i get educated or whatever well i think some practical things that you can do for somebody that's not green thumb at all is understand that um you have grocery stores and you can go to the produce manager and ask them to start carrying sprouts, bean sprouts, alfalfa sprouts, that kind of stuff. And say, Hey, look, just carry them all. I'll, I'll come in here and buy them. Let me know what day it's going to show up and I'll be your first customer. Just hit, hit me up and I'll come down and, and buy a whole bunch of them and not be scared of sprouts too, because people are like, Oh, they just put a little bit. It's like when you go to the Hippocrates health Institute, like that's like half the food you eat there, half the food by weight is sprouts. They're, they're pumping you full of that, those phytochemicals and all that medicine. That's why they're having such good results. So step one, go to your local pro, uh, produce manager and ask them to bring them in. And you'd be surprised. As soon as they come in, they'll start selling and the, the sprout thing will increase because more and more people are looking and wanting to buy those. So or that's your local, your local uh, farmer's markets yeah. as well. Local mm-hmm. farms are great. Yep. Can I ask you a question of everybody? Mm-hmm. Uh, what? How much of this supply line food shortage uh situation do you think is uh fear mongering and uh like not that these plants aren't blowing up or or supply lines aren't but how much do you think it is like food shortages are really coming and it, it, this isn't just part of just a psyop to get us all to vibrate a lower frequency well, it's having the opposite effect if that's the psyop, because from what I can tell over the last two and a half years, people have become more aware of how necessary a local supply chain is more than at any point in my entire life. People have kind of like rebounded in, in the face of what do you mean it my my food comes from Argentina? Hang on, wait a minute. I live where you can grow stuff. I just left California. I was in California for almost 20 years. 
where, you know, a fifth of the rest of the nation's food comes from a strip of land in California when California is importing 80% of its food. Well, it's because it's feeding everybody else because one hand's washing the other on some trade deals and contracts, destroyed the local supply chain entirely. And in the face of that, in the face of, oh, there's going to be a cyber pandemic. Oh, we'll take out a, a uh, you know, food supply plant here shut it down, uh, you know, both in terms of blowing them up, but also uh, in the digital space, people have really started to think about, okay, wait, how can I make it so that I don't get screwed because nobody seems to be able to have an answer for why they're happening or if and when they're going to stop. So now I'm really incentivized to to do something about it myself. And that's why... Gretchen Whitmer had to pretend like it was for your safety to shut down the garden sections. And then pretend like she was getting kidnapped. (laughs) I mean, seriously, though, like that's how many people wanted to start gardens at that time was that they had to be like, oh, no, COVID, you can't buy seeds and stuff. You're like, wait, why would I not be able to buy seeds? That's a a good sign for us, actually. That's a sign of us winning when they have to try to pretend like we can't buy seeds. More people are growing food now than ever in history. People are waking up. It's like a reverse psyop. It's a freaking beautiful thing for those who are willing and able to wake up. And it's so easy. So, and you mentioned how easy is it when you start with design, it's actually ridiculously easy. You can have a food forest installed in your yard where it, you could literally leave it for 30 years and you come back 30 years later and you've got a mature food forest that's just dripping with life and love and abundance. And because of that food forest in your yard, the neighbors now, as long as they didn't kill it or chop it down, now they have food forest because the birds and the animals and the wind came into the food forest. They ate some stuff and they went and pooped over here and now there's a berry bush over there or now there's a fruit tree over there because a food forest by its very nature is expansive, right? And that is such a magical thing. The power that we've been given by God, by source is epically infinite. We just got to take out the poisons and start giving her a good start. Take out the poisons. I, I had the blessing to move near a, a woman that has, so the lot beside us is just all permaculture and overgrown. And then there's my neighbor. And so there's some endangered gopher tortoises and they've managed to all go under her house and they're burrowing tunnels. And she joked, you know, if, if things push comes to shove, she'll join them underneath. And then we were talking and there was like a sound and she's like i i have to go and feed the baby squirrels <laughs> so so i just to say you know this this is compounding if you have you know if you have housemates or a community garden to join or local beekeeping group and then it's just with any positive change you make a little change another change like when when someone wants to change the way they eat or get in better shape i always like just optimize some little things, and then when they see the positive change, then it synergizes. So I think the same is with, you know, it could start with composting. Like I personally feel so guilty if I throw food away. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, Lindsay, if you add it to something and it your plant loves it, then you keep you keep going, making just you need to make the intent. Unfortunately, I, I wanted to ask before with Mike, like to to the group and the audience, like is 
do we need to learn, unfortunately, through human illness? Is that how people learn to start caring about their, their, their body temple? Because when you realize that most of the food out there is inflammatory and inflammation is the number one step towards disease and you see how impoverished the soil is, it's almost for me like to incentivize people not to let them get the better of you because we're such amazing creatures that are able to heal and and have telepathy, for instance, and ascend instead of being dumbed down. And food is really that gateway, I think. So, yeah. What, what needs... I, to- I didn't change my... I didn't... I, I changed most of my bad habits... Uh, when I fell ill with lupus in like 2006, 2007, um, I started uh, taking care of myself a little bit better, at least going to the gym. I thought going to the gym, hey, I'm doing enough. I'm going to the gym. I can still eat like crap and drink like a fish. Um, and then uh, gradually over time, started eating better. I started eating way better once I married my wife uh, because she is she just has uh, a, a good eye for, hey, what you shouldn't eat, don't eat that. And, uh, and so I just kind of follow her when it comes to what I should and shouldn't eat. And, you know, I'll still indulge in some, some BS food every now and again, but by and large eat way better. And I, I just took more accounting of what I was doing after I got really sick. Unfortunately, that's what it took. Men with women live. I want to, I'm probably going to butcher it, but I'm pretty sure it's 20 years longer on average. (laughs) Sounds about right. I probably would have died. I probably, yeah, I probably would have died four years ago. Well, I also, it sucks because part of this is education because there's people who will fall ill, right? And as a teacher, I saw this from my students over and over again, where they're like, oh, I have depression now. I have anxiety now. I have mania now. I have this and that and all these mental illnesses came about and no one was telling them that actually the thing that we've studied over and over and over again and shown has the biggest impact on you getting better from this is what you eat. And when you're chugging rock stars and downing donuts every morning and then not eating again until night and then eating more sugar and bread and whatever crap, like that's not going to do it. But they don't tell them that. They just say, here, take this pill and eh, you're going to be screwed for the rest of your life. Actually, this is a permanent illness. And you're like, no, actually, all the studies show otherwise. But so I do think it comes back to sharing the information and sharing the knowledge and whatever will get people to actually consider. It is hard. People don't want to change their habits. Donuts are yummy. Um, But that feeling of feeling good uh, and healthy, it's way better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maverick, what's going on with on your end of things? Thank you for letting me join you, Charlie. Appreciate it. Um, I love what you just said. You know, Tony Robbins actually has a quote about that. He says, nothing tastes as good as being fit feels. That's right. Oh, no. He he cut out a little bit. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh Are you losing me? You're back. You're back now. You were back, and now I think you're gone again. This is what happens... (laughs) Come back to me. Come oh, yeah. back to me. Let me let me let me workshop this. Okay, yeah. Absolutely. Coffee enemas. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I don't For know what problems or in general. Well, you know, I was also diagnosed with lupus, Mike, and it was in it, in my case it was Epstein-Barr virus and it was also being sprayed by chemicals like the bees, but but I'm a big fan of coffee enemas. I I I believe it's not you have to like irrigate the system and there's a reason why they wanted to take knack off the shelves. 
glutathione is uh, coffee enemas help increase glutathione production by 700%. I'm curious, what do you think, Tim? Are you a fan of coffee enemas? Well, um, I came from a different school of thought because I came from the Hippocrates Health Institute. And, um, in 2011, they talked about coffee enemas. Um, they do work. I, what they do, though, is they teach, they taught us and they had everybody do it. Now, remember, I grew up on a farm, total redneck. I wouldn't have set foot in that place except for my buddy had cancer, but I was very open-minded and I had a lot of health issues myself. I mean, I had a lot. So um, what they do is they actually do wheatgrass implants afterwards. And what I was told by them was that they do the same thing as the coffee, except it's without the acid. And it's also a, f- a food, so it's nourishing the colon. And within two seconds, the wheatgrass goes up that hepatic vein into the liver and starts detoxing the liver. So I've been, I, I, I've never, I've never done a coffee implant. Um, um, I've, I would, I would try it. But if I was going to do it, I'm very concerned about most coffee has mold in it. So I'd want yes, shade. Yes. Gro- I would want shade grown coffee. And um, I don't know if it would make sense because, you know, I tell people, hey, hey look, if you're going to, you know, coffee drinkers out there, if you're going to drink coffee, try to get coffee without mold. And then I would also squirt some L-theanine in there to buffer it because it's kind of stripped out during the processing. So or do you put L-theanine in when the coffee before you do the implant too? I've never put L-theanine. I've done wheatgrass and definitely I know I'm a, coffee is one of the most sprayed crops out there and mm-hmm. it's very susceptible to mold. And it's it's one of the reasons why I was drinking Bulletproof and selling Bulletproof because it was tested for mold. And I've had gluten reactions with mold as I've had with chocolate, which can also be moldy. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I've, I, I was doing it with ozone treatment at, at my... I have an ozone generator. So for, for many years, for two years, two times a week, I did coffee enemas. And then it did become too taxing on my um, urinary tract. And so then I switched and I was doing betonite clay. I've done definitely wheatgrass. Uh, the, the point is to do something like people think, oh, I'm doing a cleanse. It's not just drinking juice. It's It's really priming and and making sure your organs that are responsible for detoxing are optimized. Dr. Group, Edward Group says that most people are working at 10% capacity, their liver is, and liver is very important. Um, so I'm turning to coffee enemas as something that bolsters the liver. And I'm also a big fan of tests instead of just like throw spaghetti at the wall and like hope something sticks to do organic tests, to do um, uh, blood tests and just, or yeah, there's Dutch, which is a dry urine to see your metabolites, to really understand what's going on in your body. Like right now, for whatever reason, I'm D I'm deficient in D and um, I know Mercola was saying the optimal level is 80. I think it's like, from maybe 50, 40 to, to 100. Well, be careful optimum. on that, Marion, because you know a lot of the, unfortunately, what I learned was that the it tests, talks. they're actually looking for the synthetic version of vitamin D. So you're going to be always deficient until you're taking the synthetic version, okay, that's, which that's is mostly what they sell. That's actually how corrupt it is down to the testing. You can but, you start, know, we're 50, uh, 51 minutes into the union of the unwanted and... You know, we're talking about wheatgrass and coffee in, implants. Mm-hmm. So I hope we've got everybody warmed up enough for this. Because I remember when it was first proposed to me, I'm like, I elbowed Charles and said, look, dude, I came here to help you with your cancer, but I am not doing that deal, which was a colon hydrotherapy session with the wheatgrass implants. But I ended up doing it and, um, you know, it transformed my life. So anyway, keep an open mind, folks. 
you can start going outside and uh, garden naked for some vitamin D. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, brown, brown people have a, just to tell people, brown people have a harder time synthesizing. Yeah. yeah. And and to your point, Tim, a lot of the supplements, the D three, are in huge quantity quantities of D three. They use it as a rotendicide. So when I saw that, I wrote to Dr. Mercola. I'm like, what is this? Is this true that if I'm taking Vite? Because I was taking 40,000 IU of D and, and I am outside. I, I, I'm a sun bunny. I'm not, I don't have my garden yet, so I'm not gardening naked, but I, I'm, um, I, I agree with you. The best source is the sun. But but there's the, morn- a- the morning sun, you know, specifically I, the afternoon sun, you know, later in the day, it can actually be harmful. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, and some of us gardening naked, some of it, it is uh, powerful. Some of us, it's a felony. So you got to check your local, uh, your local laws. You guys mentioned, so I'm a huge coffee drinker, and you mentioned something I don't know about coffee mold. How do I know if I'm drinking coffee that has coffee mold? You can... I'm sorry, Tim, I'm sure you have. I was buying it from Bulletproof because I know Dave Asprey started his whole career because he was contending with mold and figured this out. Um, but there are companies that uh, that check for mold. I, I don't know if David Asprey even runs Bulletproof anymore, but, but, but low acid, organic, and they test themselves yeah. for mold. One, one of my one of my coaches, she still drinks coffee, and I told her, I said we have to get a handle on this. I haven't done a deep dive, but she she uses a company called Life Boost. Um, they're great marketers too, but they have shade grown coffee. It's non acidic. But again, I would still, if I was drinking coffee, I'd put that L-theanine in because that L-theanine's been removed, and that's a natural buffering agent in there, so you don't get all wigged so out. Did you just take a pill, an L-theanine? No, pill it's, a it's a really? liquid. Really? I don't. I, that's the ones I've seen as a liquid. Yeah. Okay. I'd say if you don't know if your coffee doesn't have mold, it does have mold. Oh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. very it's very common. And and like, do you drink organic coffee? Yeah, we try to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's important. Too. Yeah, I mean, typically we buy from smaller, um, you know, local businesses um, who actually grow organically. Yeah, I believe the key is shade grown. If I remember right. There's a a guy who is one of the producers on our show and sends us like three pound bags of coffee from a small roastery in uh, Texas where it's been family owned for like three generations of the people like the family members all physically go and hand select the the coffee that they're roasting. And it's like a the mold thing was a big deal for them, too stoked to have made that connection and now i get kick-ass coffee also to tell the audience there's the environmental working group and there's the dirty dozen and the clean 13 so when i was able to travel and i was a digital nomad i would go i was living in a small village in greece and there's tons of pesticides there so i would look and see what chemicals that's how i know the broccoli has up to 13 uh, different um pesticides and fungicides and herbicides. So there's the dirty dozen, which is the top 12. You don't want to be near. And then there's the clean 13, like avocados. You can get away with non-organic avocados. If you don't have the luxury, unfortunately, the luxury of growing your own food or going to a farmer's market, 
but really food is thy medicine. It's sacred. I think we really need to focus on being solutions based because, you know, there's a lot of talk and I, I myself personally, I've learned because I got, I, you get sucked into the fear and the fear mongering and stuff like that. And you get pissed. You want to make change and stuff like that. It's great. But it's like, where's the solutions? People just need solutions. I think people, we've been feared enough. Fear, fear, fear. It's been going on long enough. It's like, what are the freaking solutions? And, you know, having awareness to know like, hey, if like when I f- found out about bananas, like conventionally grown bananas, they literally take, they're huge. People don't really notice, but the bananas, they're all, there's tons of them in a bunch, right? They wrap them in like huge black plastic garbage bags and pump up and then they tie them off with a hose in there and that hose is spitting in pesticides the whole time because that way it would, no bugs will kill it and they'll be able to sell all them bananas. That's poisoning those bananas and when you eat that banana, you're poisoning yourself and your children. That's the level we're at. Now, if you somebody said, hey, you poisoned your kid, you would get turned in and you'd get locked up. You would get turned in. and if Or if you saw your child had a, a glass of, you know, whatever, like a apple juice and somebody walked in and, and you saw him put some poison in there and you knew about it. You wouldn't let your child drink it. I mean, this is just so common sense, but the lie is so big and it's so out there and it's in all the grocery stores across America that everybody just thinks it's okay, but your children are getting poisoned. So you are now, it's almost like you're an accomplice by if you don't know about this, you're still an accomplice. But now that you have the awareness of it, if you if you continue to do this, you know you're you're, you're really an accomplice in in your own poisoning of your own children. I mean, Jim was talking about earlier. We got to remove the poisons and the toxins. It just doesn't make sense, but it's freaking everywhere. But there's places you can go, and those places are learning how to grow your own foods and sprouting at home, and going to the farmers markets and talking to your produce manager, talking to farmers. And you, you just develop a new pathway. I mean, that's what it boils down to. You have to get out of these old pathways and develop new ones. And then guess what? Your health is going to return. You're going to feel better about it energetically, spiritually. You're going to increase your, your, your pathway to your higher mind, God, he, she, it, whatever you want to call it, the vortex. And, and that's where consciousness actually gets raised. And I can tell you, when I went to Hippocrates and got off the standard American diet, I raised my conscious considerably. And that was the beginning of my spiritual practice in 2011, even though I didn't know what the hell I was doing until roughly 2018. So if we want to raise consciousness, we can do it by increasing our quality of food. Yes. I love it. I've got a story that I'm so excited to share with y'all. Go, Jim. So <laughs> this, um, this woman calls me up um, like four months ago, and she said, I saw your video. I'd like to become a, a part of your team. Um, so she became a food force cooperative. We sent her a bunch of installs. She started installing. She started talking to her friends and family. And all of a sudden, this lady calls up who represents a billionaire who wants to put money back into society. So the billionaire says, you got anything for me? We need to get this money out to society. And she goes, yeah, let me talk to Jim. Calls me up. Next thing you know, she said, what's the best way to change the world? I said, put food for us at schools and turn them into demonstration sites, right? Three months go by and we don't hear much about it. Alova dies last week of a brain aneurysm. Now, her name is Alova. I told my, my daughter since she was a little kid, I said, what's the answer, kiddo? Love is, daddy. Love is the answer. Love is a vibrational state of existence, Right? It's a feeling that it's a raised vibration. So this woman whose name is Alova, which means noble love, now becomes the catalyst for food $50 million to $300 million. That's the range that we get to play with. $50 million to $300 million of food for us going in schools across 
the United States. So who who's going to be looked back on history that was the catalyst for this? Love, right? So my point is we're spirits playing a divine game. That's what this is. This is a divine game. Governmente, which means mind control, is the thing to be aware of. The solution is the opposite of that. It's light mente, enlightenment, right? And then when we step back and look at all the pieces of the puzzle that are out there, we realize through our real eyes that the tell of vision is not our friend and we're playing a divine game and the win is the garden of Eden and enlightenment. It's just fucking so clear to me and it's a lot of fun too. Hey, Maverick, are you up and running? All right, let's find out. Can you hear Sounds me? Sounds good, baby. Let's oh, go. beautiful. This is what happens when you run a sustainable farm in North Idaho, about 30 miles from Canada. So thank you all for letting me join you. Um, I love this conversation, guys. And the, the contribution I want to make is, is about the nature of the psychology of approaching becoming biologically sovereign. Because that's really what we're talking about. And we can get into the minutia of how food is grown and how it affects our body and all this stuff. But what I find is when I really try to you know, connect with people and get them to move into this arena, it's really a psychological struggle first. Like how, how much am I going to prioritize the food that I eat? And unfortunately, we live in a society where we're raised from day one to outsource our utility to everyone else. If a fire breaks out, I call the fire department. If I need a med- you know, something medical, uh, you know, I call 911. We're entering an era where I think naturally – Mother Nature is saying, okay, it's time to swing the pendulum. Everyone is is having to become biologically sovereign again. And the foundational element of that, of course, is our nutrition. And so it's super important to 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 find out the minutiae in this arena. But the whole deal is you need to become fascinated with the mechanism you've been given and mm-hmm. become obsessed with all the individual components and what you know, we're all we're all different to a certain degree. But the reason we can apply medicine to everyone is that there is a certain you know, amount of our biology which is similar. And we can share information. What works for you may not work for me. But the most important thing is to become intoxicated with this idea that the ultimate potentiality is to become biologically sovereign, our own, our own mechanism. And we're, we, we don't have to bow down to anyone because I have food. I have water. I have shelter. I have a tribe. Hmm. And most people aren't even thinking about it on those fundamental levels because there's so much noise. The entire power structure in our society is it's, it's all orchestrated about keeping people busy psychologically. Too much noise, too much noise, too much noise. I don't have time to think about growing my own food. I don't have time to think about, you know, is it organic? Do I need to read the label, et cetera, et cetera. It, it's in the very beginning, all that matters is do you care? Do, do you, do you want to be your own individual? Are, are you in charge? Because if you don't take the time to program your mind, there's plenty of people lining up to do it. And all of these conversations, they center around the concept of a, a kind of sovereignty. And I think that's really beautiful because we're, giving, we're being given an opportunity. Yeah, the grid could shut down. To a lot of people, that's terrifying. But mm-hmm. to a lot of people, it's like, man, that, maybe that's wonderful. <clears throat> Maybe this is the great reset in our favor. Maybe the collateral damage is what we can spin and turn in, in our favor so that we, we set up new tribes. We, we have, I don't want to say black markets. I'm not going to encourage anybody to break the law, but we are trading with each other. We have barter economies that pop up everywhere. You know, regardless of what you're trying to, to get, everybody can provide something. I, I will encourage people to break the law. 
you, you operate on a gray and or black market, that's fine. Whatever you could do to extricate yourself from a centralized banking system. Do that thing. Do that, homie. Do that. Maverick, are you in uh, Bonners Ferry by chance? I am. My goodness. Uh, well, but come on. How did you know that? Well, you said pretty close to the Canadian border, and that's about right there. Sandpoint okay, so and I'm Bonners just, Ferry. I'm, I'm between Bonners Ferry and Sandpoint. I'm down in Selly Valley. So. Okay, cool, dude. There were grizzly bears um, cruising around about 12 miles from here last week. So I'm and a couple moose. Think yeah, about yeah. that, guys. Think about that. Every single living creature on this planet takes care of themselves except for humans mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. They know exactly what to do. If horse get, a horse gets sick, it goes out and eats different herbs and roots and stuff, and it heals itself. In fact, that's how some of the indigenous, like the Native Americans, developed some pretty cool salves and stuff. They saw a horse get sick got a tumor or whatever, went and eat different things and then it heals itself and started following the horse around and picking it, writing it all down and put that together and gave it to people. And sometimes this stuff worked. And over thousands of years, they figured out what did work. The solutions in nature. And remember that every time you, you look at pharmaceutical drugs and stuff like that, they go out to nature and they're synthesizing nutrients out of a plant, a bark, a root, a stem, snake venom, the latest thing, you know, whatever it is. And, they, and then they isolate it. So let's give a couple examples. Aspirin, billion-dollar company, Bear. Where does that come from in nature? White willow bark, right? If you're taking statin drugs, where a lot of people are taking statin drugs for high cholesterol today, where does that come from? Red yeast rice. So you go out into nature. Nature has the solutions in its whole form where it has all its bioflavonoids and cofactors. It's all there rather than letting somebody extract one component, synthesize it, and patent it for high profit margins and give it to you, where it's only going to work for 10%. Okay, all pharmaceutical drugs, 10% of you, it's going to work, but 90% of you are going to have mild to severe uh, side effects, if not death. That's the reality we're at today. So why would you do that? Why would you go down that path when it's a broken system? It's not working. Human beings are the sickest we've ever been in the history of humanity. Why would we keep buying into the same foods and the same medicine and the same old story? nature's the answer. Go back to nature, turn around, look to her. I mean, there's even places in China that they, that's where they heal people. They, 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 what they do, they take away your cell phone, your laptop, all yeah. that crap, and they throw you out in the forest. Mm-hmm. And you start to heal because you return to the mothership. You're returning to your battery pack, the negative ions from the forest and the sea and all these things and the, and the fresh air that you take 20,000 breaths a day. What's the quality of the air in your home? That's another reason to raise plants in your house and get right. the right types of plants to clean your air. You the know, room, room the water is, you drink. There's a lot of things to think about here. Inside air is 50% unusual, uh, worse than the outside air. It's very important. Also, like you're saying, the water quality, all of these things, there, there's, there's studies that show that chemicals can rob you of IQ points. So, yeah. um, well, well, that's, oh, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to share some beautiful things about the bees so I could properly represent them here today. Um, there's 4,500 4, species. I like to tell people that in her six-week lifespan, a honeybee will only produce a quarter of a teaspoon of honey. So the next time you see a jar of honey, just imagine all the collaboration and that every drop makes a difference. Crop pollination is worth over $15 billion in the U.S., 15 to 18, and is $170 billion for, for the globally. And honeybees fly 55,000 miles to make one pound of honey. So 
They pollinate everything from avocados to zucchinis. And I tell people 10 years after the film Vanishing of the Bees that we are the bees that are slowly being poisoned by sublethal doses, which now includes genetically modified information. So again, to treat your body as a temple and, and to what you're saying, Maverick, to, to really like excite people. And, and the first step is saying, I want to make a, I want to make a change and hopefully not waiting till your health is at, is at risk or compromised um, because food is beautiful and sacred. You know, sadly that, that ends up being the biggest catalyst for so many people. Oh, I, know. I can speak for my own self. My father passed away when I was a kid and I, I was launched on this nutritional biological journey when I was 10. And it wasn't something that I chose, but for most people, the catalyst is not something they're going to choose. Life mm-hmm. is all of a sudden going to deal them a blow and they're going to be forced to reorganize and reassess everything that they've been told. How many of these things are actually serving me? I'm doing what? There's what and what? Why weren't we told all these things? Why, why don't we have a dialogue from, and, you know, that's, that we keep you know, within... In the mystery schools, for example, they say that there was a there was a narrative that was kept secret for the you know it wasn't given to the profane. Well, there's also been a narrative with nutrition that's kept, been kept secret, and and we've been made the profane by society because you can make a lot of money on people. It turns out by feeding them plastic, by feeding them garbage, and it doesn't cost as much as real food. You know, you can also use that food against them to destroy their endocrine system, and now they have to take drugs to fix it and now they're diabetics and now all this stuff i mean this is inception layers and layers and layers of on intentional very intentional obfuscation of the truth just look at the food pyramid but guess what we have this huge blessing of the internet now it's game's over man that bullshit's over pardon my language and and now we can share real information and we can reorder it and we can say guess what you should be focusing on these things hydration no one talks about hydration nothing sexy about hydration that's the foundational element of, of nutrition. You can't process any of that stuff. So it is cool. It's exciting. This is an exciting time. And mm-hmm. that sounds cliche to say, but I mean, if you don't get excited about it, you won't, won't make it a priority. I want to share something really hopeful that I learned from Phoenix Aurelius, who's a master alchemist and wizard, and he's amazing. He makes beautiful spagyric tinctures and other things. And um, and he has a biodynamic garden and all this. And I'm probably going to misrepresent it slightly, but he was sharing with me on on my show that before, you know, speaking of nature being the answer and the cure to everything, before we even have the illness, before we even have the outbreak, whatever it is that's going to come up and be infecting our bodies, whatever parasite or other thing, the previous season's crop holds the answer to it. As though nature knew ahead of time what we would deal with and created the solution for us. So however hopeless we might get sometimes, that's one of those beautiful things that's inexplicable that I think can uh, restore our hope and our heart and just how perfectly taken care of we are. Yeah. And that's one thing I study is herbalism. And there are over 35,000 medicinal plants, which is amazing. And um, so nature is the answer. It's, it is the cure. And um, our medicine is right there. She provides it to us. And a few great psychedelic ones too. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how many mushrooms and fungi there are too, and how they communicate and, and provide those uh, networks, even for the trees to communicate. They're little messengers, but they also uh, have definite medicinal purposes as well. The mycelium neural network thing is one of the... It's cool- fascinating. Oh, I love it. I'll <laughs> Me go days on that. Oh. 
So yeah. fun. Hey, there are messengers too, not just for the trees. Yeah. Well, to prove Brianna's point that, that food is medicine and nature is the solution is scurvy. Pretty much everybody knows about scurvy. Um, the sailors back in the day, they were, they were dying and getting sick and they had this disease, right? And they were actually called um, limeys. The British sailors were called limeys. Why? So the solution was that they didn't have a disease. They, they had simply a vitamin C deficiency. A lot of us learned this growing up in school and stuff like that. So this is the perfect point of pretty much all disease, whether it's scurvy from heart disease to cancer and everything in between, there's a deficiency. And I've actually built my whole, my whole business around three, three principles. Number one, the reason why we're all sick is because we have too much stress. Number two, we're polluted. And number three, we're deficient. Mm-hmm. If we can work on those three areas and, and give people and their children tools to, to mitigate stress in their life, and, you know, through meditation and going outside and, you know, walks, whatever it is, right? Hanging out with people they love and giving people the education that all these umbilical cord studies have been popping up since 2005 showing that there's 180 cancer-causing chemicals in your children being born today. And the older you are, the more they're in you. It gives more time to bioaccumulate from the air you breathe, the water you drink, and all this stuff. And then knowing 85% of our nutrition is farmed out of our soil. It's pretty simple what the solution is. Yeah. We de-stress. We, we detox and we, we nourish our bodies and we come back to life because we are nature. I mean, it's pretty simple. You guys mentioned something earlier that I'd like to go into a little bit of detail if we can. If you guys have some suggestions on the best way to make sure you're getting the cleanest, most purified water out there. Because we know the tap water. We know about um, you know all the chemicals that are in there. It's no good. We hear about we have Brita filters and things like that that are probably not doing anything. No, we have by more Clorox advanced filters. Let's talk about who's got the best solution for cleaning the water, um, and maybe in an emergency situation, maybe in just a day to day use as well. I love well, Berkey. Berkey yeah. is a system I use. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I have two of them. They're wonderful. Um, and for the gardens, I use rainwater, which is some of the best water that you can use for for your plants. With your with your Berkey, the problem that that we had had at least a couple of years ago, and they may have solved this. I haven't really checked, but a couple of their filtration systems were so good that they were taking everything out of the water and you were getting none of the beneficial minerals or anything like that. There was only like a certain one gallon um, unit that didn't have the filter that stripped everything. It left the minerals. It took out the other stuff. Have they modified? It's reverse osmosis that removes uh, everything. Um, There's distilled, which is empty then there's reverse osmosis which is removing the contaminants but you don't know whether that whether it's the chloramine chloramine the uh, fluoride if you're there's there's the there's pfoas there's nitrate so sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but but i i interviewed aaron brockovich so that i could find out what is the better best solutions and uh I've have you heard of Aqua True? Have you heard of Aqua True? Tim? I use Aqua Cure, is what you're talking about, I think. No, this is Aqua True. It removes oh. 83 contaminants. Um, it's it's reverse osmosis. So, arguably, if you do, I add trace minerals 
Um, to, yeah, to you'd have to if you wanted yeah. anything beneficial from the water at all. Even adding sea salt, like a Himalayan sea salt, uh, is really good to add to your water yeah. after it's been filtered. I also add chlorophyll to mm-hmm. oxygenate the water and molecular hydrogen. Which I, really I just got done talking, disgusting. so I didn't want to talk, but Sorry. I have to. <laughs> so I, I've went through six <laughs> six water systems. So when I saw a research paper that showed that you know some of our top researchers like went fifteen hundred, they went all over the world and they were testing brooks and lakes and streams, and they were finding even fifteen hundred miles to the interior that when they were the two and two and a half inch fish have, have developed both male and female organs because of the high amounts of estrogen mimickers from microplastics. So that means right there in that statement that all the water is freaking polluted. But then people are like, well, Tim, I get spring water and it's all good. Well, there's some, you don't know until it's tested. Miriam said earlier, sometimes you have to test things. I'm a believer in how you feel, but I also believe in testing in certain circumstances. This is something that you should test because if you think, you know, you're, you're Birkenstock wearing and you're doing healthy stuff and growing your own ground, that's great. You're, you're going 25 miles to a spring. That spring might have too many heart, uh, uh, heavy or metal, um, excuse me, minerals in it, and you might end up getting hardening of the arteries, gallstones, and kidney stones from that spring water. And maybe it's more pure, but maybe it's not. There was also a gentleman that moved to the Colorado Rocky Mountains away from everybody to heal, and and he was doing fine. But then he got sick, and doctor, 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 doctor after doctor after doctor couldn't figure it out. And one doctor said, maybe it's your water. He's like, no, there's no way it could be my water. It's like, I I live on a, it's a spring coming out the side of the Colorado Rocky Mountains. No problem. It was the water because what what people don't understand is that that was fracking. They were doing fracking 200 miles away. And these underwater aquifers are like underwater rivers and they're moving. And that stuff was coming up and he was drinking it. And that was his problem. So from these experiences and everybody I've talked to and all my traveling around the world and getting into this health geeky stuff, I've learned that you have got to purify your water, not filter it. A filter is like putting a sock in a river. You're going to pull out some of it. You need to do, in my opinion, you need triple purified drinking water. Yeah. Whether it's reverse osmosis deionization or distillation, you got to run it through three times because every time you run it through at least once, you're pulling out 90% of the contaminants. Now, to Steve's point, you can pull out the good stuff too, but you got to get the bad out. Then you need to run it through something that will restructure it and then it makes sense to put trace minerals in afterwards, some, you know, a little Himalayan salt under your tongue or whatever after you drink the water um, and and do stuff like that. But we have to really get our water right. Just to to add, Sorry, the AquaTrue is is filtering and purifying. It's it's four stages, and then I personally add minerals uh, at the end, and I do infrared saunas anyway. So just to, and I exercise, so to not trace minerals are so important. The soil is impoverished, but yeah, sometimes I wonder should I take that and also distill it because, like to your point, all the water is is effed up. Well, what I've done is I, I run it through a triple purification system. It's actually a 16-stage 16 sta- 16 unit. And this is, the, this is the tough part because the water conversation is one of the largest ticket items to put in the home. I mean, yeah. it is. If you're going to do it right, yeah. I actually have two systems now. So I run it through a system. It was like 1800 bucks. It's a 16-stage system. It pre-filters it. It runs it through a specialized reverse osmosis, then through two um, uh, uh, other, um, not the distillation, but the, uh, the other one. Um, my brain's going 100 miles an hour right now, and and then it goes through these. It has a UV light to kill microbes, and then it does this buffering thing. It's really cool. 
But I'm on. If you're on city tap water, it's not good enough because those high pressure pipes have coagulated those water molecules, and they're like bowling balls trying to go through a chain link fence, which is your intestinal lining. They're not going through, and you're just peeing it out. I, this gal named Danusha. I told Charlie I was on his show about Danusha. She's like, Tim, you need to get this unit, this alkalizing thing. And I was like, No, I need clean water, clean water. Finally, I was open minded. I went. Uh, after this conversation, this guy goes, Tim, just drink the effing water. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, get first person experience. I go over and see Danusha. I drink the water. I drink another quart. And I, I in 24 minutes, I was like, my brain went on. My arms were tingling. Wow. Energy. I'm like, holy wow. shit. I'm like, what is, and I, I was high for six hours. So I bought one of those units from her and I bolted it on behind my other unit. So now my water is not only triple purified, but it's restructured. Yes. So that I can actually absorb it and get it into my system. So the water disappears and then it comes out two or three hours later and I pee it out a lot. Yeah. So I'm actually getting into my lymphatic system better, my blood better and all this stuff. So that's, I think, really important. So if people want to, you got to get your water right. Now, you, yeah, you, you might go through a different path, but, you know, for me, I just, you know, I, I got the triple purifier and then I, I got a hold of Danusha and she actually does free consults for people that want to get their water right. Can, can we just pause for a moment to recognize how insane this conversation is? Mm. Like, is the basic <laughs> building block of life into your body, what you have to go through. Yes. Yeah. I mean, can, I, can I build on that? Can I build on that and say how impressive it was that they tricked us all into believing we had to buy water? <laughs> hey, you have to buy water yeah. now. It comes in bottles. <laughs> That's how you do it now. There's a water, they're panic buying water in Vegas right now. Well, they're Nobody signaling knows for why. the water. Somebody started, so everybody else started doing it. <laughs> they well, they're, they're signaling the water wars now, right? I mean, they have been for a long time, but recently it just started like amping up again. So in addition to this planned and intentional food yeah. system destruction, they're planning the water destruction too. Big so when Charlie have been buying them up too, been buying yes, up the springs Nestle oh, yeah. for a long time. So when Charlie brought up, what about in emergency situations too? How are you going to filter? That's actually part of why I love the Berkey because if that's all you've got, it works for free. There's no energy involved. You can go scoop river water. I used to drink my river water through my Berkey filter. Uh, you could pee into it and drink it. I mean, you might be able to just drink your pee according to some people, but right. you know, if you want some water, <laughs> you could do that too. So I love the Berkey and having it as a no judgment. Yeah, <laughs> whatever works for you, man. Why not um, put Jimmy Kimmel? But it's also it's crazy. I wonder if the rest of you have had this experience too. Since I started filtering my water, however long ago, including my shower filter, right? Because then you're not absorbing yeah. it through your skin. I when I smell tap water now, like it makes me want to barf. That shit is so rancid, and people just drink it and yeah. don't know because that's how dead their senses are. It's yes. so sad. It's. Yeah. It's so silence. Fun. Yeah. Silence. <laughs> At least people are like, wait, do people yeah. drink their pee? That's what everyone's thinking right now. Pretty sure you can cycle. Hey, you can use time. urine in the garden as well. It's it's actually a, a really good way to to add some um, nitrogen into nitrogen. your garden. Obviously, you want to dilute it so that you don't uh, burn your plants. But um, I mean, I actually use my urine in the garden. That's Did you so hear that, Sam? You, you can pee in the garden. Use your blood. Let's take it a step further. <laughs> so how, how, what would the dilution factor be? Because we were just talking about whether or not we should like be adding our urine to our garden. 
So yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. It's got, um, and in fact, the, um, I mean, obviously our urine is about 95% water and, and that has vitamins and minerals in it. Um, but then the other 5% is urea and that is actually, uh, or an organic compound that is oftentimes even used in most of the commercial fertilizers. And so they just make a synthetic version of it. And so our bodies actually can naturally produce it. And so, um, you know, because it does have a high nitrogen content, that 5%, you actually do want to dilute it. Um, I mean, Jim, you probably are familiar with that too, right? Yes. I, would oh, God, I can't wait to pee in the garden. Every time <laughs> yeah. I, go, I run outside and I go pee and then I get caught once in a while. It's kind of embarrassing, but it's fun. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, ideally you want to dilute it for that reason so that you don't burn your plants. I mean, it's no different than, you know, when a dog pees, you notice a dog peeing on a plant, you know, it, it'll turn brown. So you don't want to burn it. And so if you dilute it, roughly about 10 to 1 would be the ratio to do that. Do you just have like a bucket of water? You go pee in the bucket of water, you dump it out. Everyone's yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, you know, if you can even pee like in a mason jar, I have a ton of mason jars for various things, even my water. And so um, even, you know, keeping some urine in that and uh, obviously you want fresh, fresh urine. So, you know, I know even people who have been gardening for years and years and that's what they do. They will, um, sit, you know, kind of save up their urine overnight and then they actually, you know, mix it in with some water the next day and, you know, put it on their plants. So freshly squozen. Just go and pee near the garden. I mean, I would argue that my urine is already watered down. Yeah. I would say yours probably is too. Yeah. Then there's the whole humanure thing where you can maybe compost your own feces yeah. too. Just have this yes. whole system on lockdown. I have not but. gone that far. <laughs> have you, Jim? <laughs> no, but we did put an outhouse out for our, one of our classes on permaculture, and we just put an outhouse and we just dug a hole, and then w- we move it every day and we just fill in the hole. And now that's <laughs> great. That's how it should be, right? So, but no, I haven't been caught doing that outside yet. You haven't been I've caught. Seen people have uh, composting <laughs> toilets. So yeah. it's definitely doable. Yeah. Yeah. I like st- 20 years ago, I worked on a farm that had a composting toilet uh, and they, you could go downstairs to it and see they had windows and everything. It was for educational purposes. And yeah. Yeah, I don't know whatever happened to it, but hopefully it's, hopefully it's producing a really good compost. <laughs> Did you see all the way up or just part? It was actually really like, it didn't look like anything. It just looked like compost. Like I was very confused actually, like where's the poop, but apparently it's in there. An observation. It's an observation. (laughs) Observation. Gotta be scientific here. We gotta see it all. The observation double decker. Clearly the next union of the unwanted needs to be about urine therapy and the uses of urine and feces. Cause that's, that's what we all want to know. Fecal implants. Yes. Yeah, fecal implants. Those those have helped many people with colitis and auto, other autoimmune. I mean, it is the 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 viome. I, I work with viome, which is a gut intelligence test, and they look at now they've advanced so much. They're doing a pinprick of the blood, but now they're personalizing that they delivered prebiotics and probiotics specifically for for me. They can take a look. They looked at your biological age, your, your, your age by your gut profile. So you can be a lot younger than, than whatever age you were born. And, um, 
you can have one side of your of strains that are completely different. You can have like a monoculture. So you want to, you know, switch it up. And, and personally, I think eating local locally and seasonally and supporting your, your farmer's markets, but the gut and I've, I've eaten some amazing soil in Greece. I was like, wow, this is so good. I just took a big chunk of soil for my, for my gut biome. So so something I want to talk about was, uh, and I think we we slightly hit on it was teaching people how to eat because it's typical you see fat parents, you see fat kids because kids aren't born knowing how to eat. They obviously are creatures of their environment, the way their parents eat. They end up adopting that lifestyle, and uh, so it's no fault of their own. But I, you're, you're seeing it also too in like New York, which it seems like every bad thing is starting in either California or New York, but like the meatless Mondays and kind of demonizing of meats and animal products. Like this is all like baby steps into kind of, you know, molding this perspective on the world that like meat is bad and veggies are always good. And, you know, I, obviously I, I disagree with that. I, I But e- either way, I think this is a bigger plan in regards to getting people unhealthy. So and then we take their meds and also um, controlling the seeds, controlling these synthetic foods and, and really being detached from nature and all these things. I was born in northern Portugal. My parents are farmers. I was born on a farm. Uh, we didn't have any running water. We didn't have uh, a lot of things like material things that people would think are necessities t- today. But they were happier and they had community and they had each other. And one thing that they never lacked was food and, and friends and community and good times and laughs. And they were my parents, um, not to go into this huge story because I'm sure people listen to Ripple Effect podcast have heard me talk about, about it before, but my parents were sold this idea that like come to America, it's the, the world of opportunity. And, you know, you'll, you'll be able to have all these ones and zeros in the bank account and these material things that you couldn't even dream of back home. And I remember being a kid and one day my dad just being super stressed and he's like, I wish I was still in Portugal. And I'm like, dad, like you didn't even have TV, a TV in Portugal. Why would you, you know? And as I like pondered on that and thought about it, I'm like, oh, what he missed was just the community. It was the, the being around people and all these things that he came here to have, he realized like isn't bringing him happiness. And um, so I, I think, and if you look at like the history of the suburbs, the first suburb, American suburb was, I believe in Long Island, it's like Levy Town or something like that. Levittown, yeah. Levittown, yeah. yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, I remember when I had Douglas Ruskoff on my show, uh, he, you know, we talked about this. He was actually the first person I heard really get going into detail about this and how it, the idea of being in this safe community and, and you, you live in this, uh, a place where you have privacy and all this stuff. Well, you, you gain like everything in life. You gain one thing and you sacrifice another thing. What you're sacrificing is community. So you live in a place where you can open your garage, you go in your house, you don't have to talk to any of your neighbors, but that also means that you don't share vegetables with them. You don't, uh, you know, you don't share tools or whatever. So it may, this, the idea of the suburb, some people believe actually was a way of getting us to be less communal and more about, you know, dependent on the system. Like, okay, now, because I don't talk to my neighbor who might have so many uh, tomatoes, he doesn't even eat them uh, and could share them with me. I have to go buy them, you know? So it, it's really like, and, and there's something also about like, 
there, I think like bourbons, wines, whiskeys, cigars, like a lot of this stuff you see younger and younger generations getting into it. And I, and I'm a big wine drinker and whiskey drinker and cigar smoker. And it's more about like, um, the community aspect of it. Like my dad makes wine. He, my grandparents made wine, uh, like going down to generations, they all made wine. And, um, I think a, a reason why some of these traditions stay alive is because it's not just about the wine itself, but it's the whole process of making it right. It's like why people still enjoy going to church or whatever. It's, it's like, it's a communal, communal thing. Like people are around each other. They're enjoying community. They're enjoying, uh, uh being around loved ones or eating, they're drinking together or laughing together. They're creating memories together. And, uh, and it, it's weird because as we talk about transhumanism and going that digital world, I, I think we realize something's missing. And as much as I love Zoom calls, right? Like I would rather be all together in person, right? There's something missing in a Zoom call. And, uh, so I, I have hope that I think eventually we're, we're going to realize that like the, you know, what we call, um, social networks that, you know, there's nothing social about it and it doesn't, it doesn't substitute real people, real feelings, real things. You know, my parents have a huge backyard with, uh, you know, animals and chickens and, and all the stuff because they're, you know, they still feel like they're in Portugal and, and they live very much like it. And if, believe me, if all, if I'm wrong and I'm not, and I shouldn't be optimistic and everything goes to hell, like my parents, didn't go to school like they dropped out very young because they were told like you either uh can continue going to school or you can work on the farm and as a kid who's going to want to go keep going to school they're like screw it i'll just work on the farm but um so they don't they're not book smart but they're definitely street smart they grow everything they have everything uh in regards to foods and necessities uh to survive and have great survival skills and that's something we're we're kind of detached from and we look at um and when you look at like being like even when I'm just in their backyard having a drink something about hearing the wind and and hearing the animals that it's so peaceful and it feels like that's where I should be and you realize like I'm not a observer of nature I am nature I'm a part of it and and we detach we have detached from it and you know this whole and and we're so confused about the way we eat. like for example like you know I've had Dr. Sean Baker on my show the carnivore guy I've had Dr. Dominic Diagostino I've had Rob Wolf I'm huge in a diet nutrition and health and and exercise and they disagree on a lot of stuff a lot of the people the paleo people the keto people but the one thing they all have in common is that they say get get rid of pres- uh preservatives nitrates get rid of all the processed foods and and almost a simple way uh, you know uh, of kind of looking at it is if it has ingredients, maybe you shouldn't be eating it, right? Like maybe just actually, you know, right? Like it's, it's, it seems kind of, uh, drastic because you think like almost everybody, the, the, the average American, everything they eat has ingredients, but maybe start there. Maybe don't buy things with ingredients and, and even things that we've been lied to that my, before I got into alternative media and conspiracy theories and all this stuff, the first conspiracy that really caught my eye was diet and nutrition. Like it's like everything you thought you knew about health was a freaking lie. And, and everybody's brainwashed into believing that like, sodium is bad or salt is bad, you know, like, oh, sodium, it raises your blood pressure, this and that. I'm like, 
it's a mineral it's essential you know and and now you see now the um the popularity of electrolytes in your drinks and stuff like that because people realize like how important it is as long as you can like remove the sugars and stuff you know there's an element uh is a good one by rob wolf and a couple other ones that use monk fruit or organic stevia uh but all these things have been demonized and you know fats are bad for you you know like somebody brought up the food pyramid like that uh, it was a bunch of horseshit like there's probably a huge generation and more likely multiple generations that are fat obese have joint pain have a lack of motivation are not living their life to the fullest because they've been lied to about how to eat and it's like you know it's not their fault you know they don't know where to look the the power of propaganda the power of the food industry i mean it, you look at cholesterol i mean uh, all these things that have been you, you know just horrible horribly like researched and and bad science just gets regurgitated over and over again and then it takes somebody like gary tobbs or somebody else to be like wow like this isn't good science at all and and look they're lying to you about all this stuff and and gary tobbs story is interesting because he was uh somebody told him like hey you you want to uncover some bad research like go look in the food industry and the health industry it's all based on horseshit and so you know i i I don't even know what my point is but i i you know i just think that a lot of these things are important because a lot of people who could be podcasting could be exercising playing a sport spending more time with their loved ones with their kids they could have more energy they could be you know we have we don't know how long we have on this earth but it's like changing your health and your lifestyle and optimizing it like it can it can improve everything and and maybe the way your mood maybe your energy levels maybe you know your ability to uh deal with stress is all not because like you know it's unbearable maybe it's because you're not exercising maybe because you're not eating right maybe it's you know and so it's um to me it's a topic that i think is almost more important than any other topic we've talked about on on any show because people listening can literally you know listen to this and change their ability to op- optimize their their lives and and get the most out of their life and and the most quality out of their life so uh and then there's a lot of people like i said who who are dealing with health issues and, and stuff and i think miriam said it and and maybe tim also that it could be easily resolved by finding out just what you're deficient of instead of just symptom management, you know, because a lot of times, a lot of our health issues, we're just deficient in something. And if you can find out what that is, you can fix a lot of issues. And and instead, they're like, oh, I think it's Chris Crestor who says it. it's like, hey, you got a rock in your in your shoe. And instead of telling you to take the rock out, they give you a painkiller for the pain. And it's like, that's basically modern medicine. They don't, they just, it's symptom management. So um, anybody want to expand on the hundred oh, thing? Well, I, I s- since some of us have shows that deal with government fuckery, let's also talk about the fact that they've partnered with the sugar industry. Yeah. to completely monopolize and distort reality and the truth and then pump that through the schools and blamed it on yeah. fats and things like yeah. this. Like the so some, what the- we're getting lied to on every, on every level. So it, it's, it's very, I, think, I feel like it's very important for, for people to recognize that if you're sitting around waiting for your television to tell you what healthy is, you're going to be waiting for a very long time. You're going to have to be proactive about this information. You're going to want to have, you're going to want to feel a need to go out and, and 
actively find it. It's not going to be easy and given to you. That's not that's not what they're interested in. They're interested in keeping you sick and unhealthy. So uh, if you're interested in this information, it's going to be your responsibility to be diligent about finding good sources. Well, and Charlie touched on something really important there too, because they start indoctrinating your children at like preschool, if not kindergarten at the latest. So when it comes to what the state is doing in terms of brainwashing people into making bad health decisions, they're, they're starting at the time when you as a human being are at you know, more of your, your more vulnerable stage where the person who's your teacher, your authority figure is you're looking at them is like, well, they obviously know what they're talking about. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. And so it's a, it's a, a very insidious way to you know, grab a population and start to control them and, and keep them on the wrong path. It's wickedly insidious. I got one real quick point. I'm watching um, Disney the other day with my two and a half year old daughter. And I asked the question to myself, what program are they selling her instantly? They were selling hot dog and cake. They were having a party and they were celebrating hot dogs and cake. Right. This sounds trivial. This is Disney teaching our kids that hot dogs and cake are related to good times. It's the most insidious wickedness there is, to your point. Well, and as a teacher, again, when I was teaching, Michelle Obama (laughs) decided that you should not have sugar in schools. So sounds good. Sugar is not so great. Right. So they removed all the sugar from schools. But what did they replace the sugar with? With sugar free shit. So all the kids now were chugging these chemical things instead of sugar. Sugar would be better, actually. Sugar's not great. It would be better than this. But that was Michelle Obama's choice. And now we're teaching kids that instead of sugar, you should have these chemicals and kill yourself slowly with it. So again, another level of school indoctrination, aside from the food pyramid, that's a total bullshit lie. And so to Steve's point... Um, take your kids out of schools. They're fucking horrible places. At the very least, go to a school where Jim's uh, group is doing the food for us so you can have some like community aspect and health. (laughs) But otherwise, just do it at home. And, you know, that goes back to Ricky's point, too, about uh, the community that you have around food. In fact, food is, that is what food is. Like food is community. uh, And we all need that desperately. So when you do this in schools, if you're going to be in a school, when you have a food forest or something like that, where they're growing it or a prison or whatever, you have some aspect of community that was lacking before we have a joined mission together to do this thing. Uh, And we have pea patch gardens too. We can do that with our communities, no matter where we're at today, even uh, because this is, you know, aside from stripping us from our school, our children, our education, our knowledge, uh, they want to destroy our community. And that's a powerful tool we have as community on all levels, not just with our food, but also humans need it to be happy, to be really fulfilled and happy. They've shown what you need are basically three different things. And you need community. You need other people basically to be connected with. You need novelty. You need things to change every once in a while. And you need a purpose. Uh, And growing food together and creating food together and eating food together gives you all of those things, actually. Those are are ingredients to um, blue zones, to the keys to longevity. Purpose is one of them. Unagi in, in Japanese and the five zones in the world are the the Sardinia, Ikaria in Greece, the Seventh Adventist in California, Okinawa, and where and uh, 
in um, Costa Rica. Yes, <laughs> in Costa Rica. That's I right. think I misgendered Sequoia. Michelle, and I I should have said Michael. I'm sorry. <laughs> Understood. Well, another thing is reading labels. Like the thing is, a lot of like uh, Lindsay was saying, a lot of things seem like a good idea, and then when you dissect, you're like, oh, this is actually not better. And you see labels, and I think Matt and I have talked about this before because he has a, a great spice company, and he's really into food and stuff. And you know, you, you one one question he gets is like, "Is your stuff organic?" And the thing is, we have to understand that like wines in in America that are labeled organic probably are better for you. But there's a lot of European wines that they just don't use the chemicals that we use. They don't use, uh, they're just better quality stuff. So it would be labeled organic if it went through the hula hoops and and the extra certification process. But some people make good stuff and just don't want to give the government extra money. They can afford it also. It's hella expensive. You know, and yeah, absolutely. Same thing with keto, right? Like, so Miriam does keto. I've been doing keto for many years, and it's uh, a l- people will, will be like, "Oh, this is healthy because it's keto." I'm like, "No," and like, just like organic, I'm like, keto becomes a business. It's like, yeah, does it have no fats or sugars? I mean, uh, high fats and, and no sugars. Yeah, so it seems keto. No, no carbs or whatever. But it, there's soybean oil or whatever, and I'm like, it's not healthy for you. You know, it just. It might be keto, but it, just because it's keto doesn't mean it's healthy. But businesses understand like, okay, how do we make money? Oh, keto is a trend. Let's let's jump on this trend. Let's put keto on the label, use whatever cheap ingredients to, to make it keto and uh, people will buy it. So people have to become much more intelligent in regards to reading labels, spend the time to read what's in it. If you are going to buy something with ingredients, I did say don't eat anything with ingredients, but if you are going to you know, eat a snack or whatever, a protein bar or whatever um, that has ingredients, make sure you read them and see what's in it and, and find companies that you trust that make good stuff. And, um, you know, so that's a super important. Or learn how to make it and then have fun making it with people too. You can make your snacks and stuff. And look, and look you can't eat different. it though because if it's like a lasagna, it will have ingredients. <laughs> Good point. You're at an impasse there. Yeah, <laughs> impasse. It, it is a conundrum. Yeah. I, I want to share that I'm establishing care here in Florida, so I went to see a doctor, but just to run tests because I I go to functional medicine practitioner. But I walked in, and the assistant was wearing a face diaper and had. Coca-Cola and M&M's. <laughs> and I'm like, here we, this is like perfect picture of what America is today at the doctor's office behind a face diaper, you know, fronting Coca-Cola and sugar. On a totally unrelated note, did everybody see the big homie Alex Stein, his little eight second clip on the airplane in the Biden hat with eight masks on and little eye holes cut out? I saw it. No, I was not. that guy. I love that guy. Is that recent, Steve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just uh, this morning or yesterday. He's out here doing the Lord's work. He really is. <laughs> I'm so grateful all you guys were able to join us uh, tonight to get to the bottom of what I think is a pretty important topic. It doesn't get as much love as it should. Um Somebody, a friend of my show that wasn't able to make it has a small company that sells seeds. If you're interested in getting seeds from him, you can go to daddygarden.org. Small business, friend of the show, like to plug his stuff, appreciate what he's doing. I want to make sure everybody that uh, participated tonight gets a chance to talk about what they're up to. Let's start with Miriam. What... (laughs) 
I, I read a little bit and you and I are going to talk next week for my show, but, uh, Please inform yeah, everybody you. what and, you're working on. I just did a show with Ricky. I have never before seen footage on this planet by anyone of the George Floyd incident, which I understand people have George Floyd fatigue, but this is the event that ushered in the color revolution and someone out there has to cement the truth. So I've been spending the past two years and I have a book coming out and uh, a doc. I've also put together a six-part series for Dr. Sher- Sherry Tenpenny and um, Baxter, which is now the Tenpenny Report on how the mRNA jabs from hell work. And I will be presenting at the Reawaken Tour with Clay Clark. I'm very excited in May at, in Myrtle Beach. And I will be speaking about Charles Lieber, transhumanism, and 5G. I knew there was a reason why they took me off of Twitter for Charlie. I've been tracking him. So that's what I'm up to. Thank you. Tim James, my my favorite sponsor. Thank yeah, you thanks so for much. Having, uh, thanks for having everybody here and get, getting this together because it's really important that people, like Ricky echoed what I say all the time, which is that we are nature and we have to get back to that and just got to plug in. I mean, that's all it really is. So for me, I'm just over here. Um, at coaching people with their health. Um, we are, we're knocking out new products all the time. Um, I, I normally, I don't like, I just want to come here and give and I don't want to like be plugging things. But if people, if people want to get coached or if they want to look into our products, our company's chemicalfreebody.com, you can check it out. I'm just a redneck that got awakened and I'm just trying to raise my consciousness and help other people do the same. Thank you, Tim. Naked Gardener. Naked Gardener, <laughs> your show is blowing up. It is. Um, I had no idea that it would. Um, I started it uh, now, I guess, almost two years ago. Uh, it's been, it'll be two years in July is when we started working on building our homestead here and our food forest um, and started the channel really just to document what we were doing um, for something for us Mike and I to look back on uh, for our own personal reference, but um, it just kind of blew up and and took off and it's wonderful. Um, And I really just love inspiring other people to reconnect with nature because I really do feel that that's what's key here, what's really important. And, um, And I really bring more of a spirituality aspect, a spiritual aspect into my, um, my videos and what I do, um, and our, our connection, uh, with nature. So, um, really cultivating that deeper connection. Um, and, uh, I also make herbal tea blends, um, which I do sell on my website as well, thenakedgardener.us. But yeah, my YouTube channel is The Naked Gardener. Awesome. Chef Matt Pierce sent me some of the best taco seasoning I've ever had. <laughs> I can think of that. Yes. I agree. <laughs> Where can we find it, Matt? What's going on? So, um, yeah, I started this little thing called Granite State Spice Blends uh, back in October as kind of a, you know, not so much to to make spices and, and make food taste better and, and all that, but to kind of teach my 10-year-old and my eight daughters uh, that they don't need to rely on the, you know, the educational system in college uh, to start a business and to be successful. So, you know, they, they label and, and stamp all the bags. My wife fills the bags and I go out to different farmers markets and whatnot and, and push, uh, push my powders, if you will. 
um, day job that I have. I'm, I'm actually a, a, the executive chef. I oversee about 48 districts uh, culinary programs in, in K through 12 schools, and we're really trying to change the landscape of, of school food service and, and the crap that's coming into the cafeterias um, to give these kids, you know, something something to eat. And you know, that's that's about it. So it's GreenedStateSpiceBlends.com. That's that's the passion project. Support the local small businesses that are affiliated with the types of shows that you like. For God's sake, you could. Like Lindsay talked about earlier, I think vote with your money, right? That's that's how we vote. We, is with our show, our support that way. Jim Gale is doing outstanding things with Food Forest Abundance. Where can people find you? So uh, foodforestabundance.com. If you want to be in the business of helping people grow food, get a hold of us. If you want to design for your own yard, get a hold of us. And sometime this summer, hopefully on the 4th of July, we're also launching Topia. Topia is the first, some will call it a crypto, a currency, or money that is directly linked and to and incentivizes food production. People don't have to pay to get Topia. They just have to grow food and they will receive Topia, which will be the most valuable currency or crypto in the history of the world in the very near future. Great idea. There we go. Love it. Lindsay Sharman is doing outstanding things on Rogue Ways. Oh, thank you so much. This is such an epic crew of badasses. I'm so humbled and honored to be in all of your guys' presence. It's such a fun show to be on. And I do Rogue Ways on Sundays and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. You can also get it on every podcast app. I do Middle Path on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Mountain on Rockfin only. It's an exclusive for supporters, which so many people here tonight are on Rockfin also. And so you can get all of their content too if you're a supporter. (laughs) Uh, And I do Day Zero with Charlie and other badasses on Sundays. I think it's at 3 p.m. Mountain. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's true. Uh, I write books, both fictional and spiritual guidance books. I have all sorts of things on my uh, store and my shop and services that I offer for people. So they can find all of that at rogueways.org. I've never seen Steve Poikinen this clear, but that might just be the edibles. (laughs) It's crazy. What's going on? In the studio, and I am. Uh, I'm. I've been here for about a month, and I'm still amazed every single day. Uh, oh, and you guys, I, Ricky, dude, everyone, flights to Vegas is super cheap. So if you want to come hang out, like like Scott from Rebunked was this morning, um, by all means, do that. We we even and you don't have to wear a mask anymore. You so. don't. You don't have to wear a mask like anywhere. Really, is at least like I don't know. I I never did, but I don't know. At any rate. <laughs> Um, you can, uh, you can find me over here on the Rockfin, uh, six days a week right now. It's crazy. Uh, we have a, a morning show, uh, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. over on the West Coast. Uh, at Slow News Day show for basically everything. Thank you, uh, again for having me back on arguably the best ensemble podcast on the planet. You guys are amazing. We are happy to be hosting outstanding minds, people that know a whole lot more about this stuff than we do. We're normally Ricky's planning it, but I wanted I just felt like I wanted to jump on this one. You know, Ricky's got the 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 Portuguese in him. He's the party planner of our group. What's going on over there with the ripple effect? <laughs> I, I, lo- I like that. Uh, the Ripple Effect Podcast.com. You can find all the links to uh, all the platforms I'm on and all that stuff. And obviously, it's available anywhere. Audio is available. And yes, I just did an amazing 
podcast with Miriam. As people know, I uh, and similar to Miriam, and I think that's why we connect. Uh, we don't stray away from controversial topics. So I was happy to have her on and uh, you know share her knowledge of something that I think a lot of people haven't really looked into nearly as much as she has. I mean, she really does amazing work. Anytime she gets into something, she, uh, she definitely gets into it. You know, she gets all the information and whatnot. So, uh, I, I think that's one of the reasons I love this show. Same thing. It's, I think it's really important to, to understand that like no topic should be off, um, off base. We should be able to openly discuss everything and anything as long as people are honest and really trying to, come to the conclusion that we're, we're looking for truth and seeking truth and, and are just seeking understanding. Cause I mean, I think truth can be kind of a blurry word, but it, just trying to understand each other and the world around us. And if that's your goal, then you should be able to talk about anything. So that's what you get on the ripple effect podcast with amazing guests like Miriam. Thank you. Mike is too modest to say this, but he's coming up on a tremendous milestone with OBDM, Our Big Dumb Mouth, which in my opinion is the funniest show on the interwebs. Oh, thank you. They are coming up on episode 1000. Yeah, episode 1000. And it is, if you are not watching that show, you got to find it. It's on Twitch. It's on Odyssey. It's on D Live. Yes. Yeah, it's on, it it's on D Live. Uh, not oh. Rockfin yet. I'm just too lazy to be on there. Um, <laughs> 1,000 episodes over like 15 years of doing podcasts. Uh, 600 of those can be downloaded for free. Uh, you just go to obdmpod.com. It's a goofy kind of crazy show. We don't have amazing guests. Uh, we rarely have guests. It's just. Uh, Myself and Joe and Cretched and some other guests uh, hanging out, having a good time, talking about weird stuff and uh, trying to make people laugh. Listen, there's too much serious stuff going on in the world. If you want to depressurize, that is my go-to We show. talk about the serious uh, stuff, too. It's just... Uh, you do it in a way yeah. that makes it less serious <laughs> and easier yeah. to well, thank you, appreciate. I think it's a great show. Sam Tripoli, uh, Tinfoil Hat Zero, uh, Conspiracy Social Club... Uh, a bunch of other ones I can't remember. Cash daddies, cash daddies, cash daddies, yes. cash daddies. That's right. Yeah, you can um, you can catch him. Uh, he's on the road uh, also. So if he comes to a city near you, please make sure to buy a ticket. Go to support him. Uh, Macroaggressions is available wherever podcasts are served, and also in video format on Iconic, Rockfin, Odyssey, and Band Video. My website is the Octopus of Global Control, and you can follow me on Twitter at Macroaggression. I don't think I'm going to get kicked off anymore. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for coming. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Ricky. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye, Thanks, everybody. Bye. Time to grow food. <laughs> right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> All right.